Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome back to your virtual global gathering of phenomenal women and those who love you. Yes, you, mothers, daughters, grand and great-grandmothers, who are fearsome and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. We're digging deep and coming up strong. For new listeners, our theme this month is This Is Us. We are getting acquainted with the diversity around our table. Although much of what happens to women has universal melodies, it's how we put our notes together that sets us apart. This is where and how we discover our gifts, our needs, our successes, our desires. In this way, our time together will touch every season of life. For one hour every week, we will be involved in topics selected by you. Yes, I said you. You will be choosing topics that are relevant to and resonate with all of us around the table. Each week, we are blessed by one of our own who will authentically and courageously sit in the interview chair and share head-to-head, heart-to-heart, and spirit-to-spirit. Together, we will bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us There are some things we just don't talk about, but not at this table. And no matter how hard judgment knocks, it will not get in. Beloved ladies, here we live beyond the wreckage. You are listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. We are also webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org. And each week, should you have a competing priority and miss the show, you can catch up with us through our weekly podcast on our YouTube channel, Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. For those of you new to the show, our theme song is composed and performed by Mr. Courtney Nero, my favorite saxophone player and my dear friend. Courtney knew I had a dream called Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. So he composed a song called I'm Listening to be the soundtrack of my dream. Now that's what I call awesome sauce. Thank you so much, Courtney. I like to begin each show by creating a mood, a common space we can inhabit virtually. And one of my favorite ways to do this is with a question. And one of my favorite questions is, what if? A question without boundaries and pregnant with possibilities. Today, our what-if question is both from and to the heart. It is, what if the greatest service I can offer is to remember that my heart is strong? One more time, what is the greatest service I can offer? What if the greatest service I can offer is to remember that my heart is strong? Inspirational speaker and TV host, Ms. Van Sant, in her book, written in 2000, called Unto Today, helps us by suggesting, and I quote, your heart is a very strong muscle. What you think your heart cannot withstand, it can. When you believe that your heart doesn't know something, it usually knows. You do not have to learn how to fix or mend the heart once it's broken or bruised. Instead, you must learn how to take care of your heart so you don't waste its energy and strength. Someone once put it this way, your heart will not break, even though the pain you feel makes you think it does. It's quite normal to avoid people and situations that you believe will hurt you. It's natural to take precautions to protect yourself from grief. 
However, what you really do is test people and try situations. However, testing and trying will not spare us heartache. In fact, those are the very actions that weaken the heart. You know at the beginning of any endeavor whether or not it will be fruitful. So you need to make a choice to be involved or not to be involved at that time. Believe what people show you about who they are. Don't make an attempt to fix them. Believe what you see and choose whether or not you'll be involved with them. This preserves the strength of your heart. On those blessed occasions when what you know is changing, when what you believe proves not to be true or worthy, when what you expect does not manifest itself, don't tax your heart with fear, anger, disappointment, or resentment. Use a little faith and forgiveness to build your heart's strength. Embrace a little shred of goodness that you have received. This is the only way to build your heart's capacity to sustain you. Until today, you may have been operating under the false notion that your heart can be broken. But just for today, try and remember your heart is a muscle. It grows stronger as you move through experiences. Preserve the strength of your heart by following its guidance. Today's suggested affirmation for you is, I am devoted to utilizing and building the capacity of my heart. I want you to repeat after me. I am devoted to utilizing and building the capacity of my heart. My guest today is a woman who has taken really good care of her heart. Even during many personal and professional challenges, she, though small, is fearsome and generous, humble and honest. She represents struggle, survival, and success. But here's the thing. She lives a life that shouts, you can count on me. I submit her life shouts these words not because of all the good stuff that's in it, but in spite of all she has overcome that has strengthened her heart. After this break, we're going to both hear her voice and feel her spirit behind her words. You stay close now. Jali. Jali Mosley, welcome to the table. It's good to be here, Tyra. Thank you for asking me to join you in this show. I am feeling so special because you bring so many dimensions to the program, and so many people need to hear your story. And volunteering isn't easy, so that's an extra thank you, thank you in there. I um I want to introduce Jolly in her own words. I'm going to read the bio I asked her to submit. A resident of Northern Virginia, Jolly has always found it difficult to write a biography about herself in any length. But she begins anyway, a determined, hopeful teenager arrived in the U.S., to continue her education in engineering. A young woman who had hopes and dreams of breaking barriers, helping others, and making a difference. A born Iranian who left Iran during a tumultuous time, leading to the eventual bloody revolution of 1979. Her memories of those days are dark and painful. Clashes between government forces and protesters The violence she witnessed and encountered are seared in her memory. The chaos and uncertainty that ruled the everyday life made it impossible to continue 
her education in Iran. She recalls, I packed my suitcase with images of quince orchards with their pink blossoms and fragrant quinces, the starry skies of the summer nights, and the magic of words as they formed a line of a poem. And then she came to America. The strongest connections to her birthplace have always been music and poetry. She's been the recipient of several awards in poetry reading and declamation. She has had numerous appearances to perform poetry narrations for cultural events, celebrations, and ceremonies. Jali has a master's degree in civil engineering and has worked as an engineer, a consultant, and an analyst for public and private sectors. She's currently a senior manager with Fairfax County Government. She's published technical papers and participated in developing significant countywide initiatives, including workplace violence and emergency preparedness. Active in the nonprofit sector for years as a volunteer, she is the vice chair of a Center for Improving Women's Lives, a nonprofit in Fairfax County, active in fighting against domestic violence and human trafficking. In 2004, Jali co-founded a music ensemble called Enchanted Strings. With a, vi- with a vision for a more harmonious world, the Enchanted Strings Ensemble strives to educate and inspire young minds to learn and to promote music as a way of bringing people together of diverse heritage and culture. Enchanted Strings Ensemble was a transgenerational transcultural group of musicians that perform an eclectic blend of Western classical as well as traditional Persian music. Jali loves to travel and socialize and believes nothing exists solely on its own. Life of all beings in our universe, including human beings, is defined by its interconnection to everything else. And now you see why it's difficult for her to write a bio. There's so much to put in a little space. I hope Jolly's bio opened the door for you to her spirit. Jolly, we talked about a headline for our interview, our title for our interview and our time together. And after a long while, we kept coming back to something, a theme, a thread that went through everything we talked about. And it was the words, you can count on me. And for our listeners, would you tell us how you arrived at that title? Well, uh, yes, we talked about it, and, uh, and uh, you pushed me in that conversation. And you pushed me hard. And uh, finally, we arrived at the conclusion that, uh, what am I about? Yes, yes, yes. If my heart could sing, what would be the song? Yes. Uh, what happens at a place in my mind, in my soul, that's neither here nor there? Uh-huh. And I finally was able to articulate it. You can count on me. And then I thought about it. Uh, I thought about it some more, and I realized that is very true of my life. If there was a place that I needed to be there, I would be there. Yes. If you wanted me 
to be there, I would be there. Sometimes if you didn't even want me to be there, I still <laughs> would be there. <laughs> and uh, reliability has always been a core value, almost a mission for me. What am I if uh, people around me, my loved ones, people whom I care for, people who are important or even people, uh, what am I if I can't be there for them? So it is like, okay, I wake up and then I have to be there. Wherever that might be that day. You know what I love about what you just said? When you started out, you said, I pushed you. Uh, for those of you that may not know, Jali is a very dear part of my life. Uh, we met in a season of crisis, and I think that can expedite uh, friendship and caring. Uh, but I said, Jolie, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. But when you come to the show, I don't want them to hear the engineer. I want them to hear the woman that came all the way to Florida after my heart attack just to take a look at me because she didn't believe what I was saying on the phone, that I was okay. I just hope. <laughs> I just hope the strength I am using <laughs> Not to think, but to feel yes. and express my feelings as opposed to analyzing the system yes. will help me lose a couple of pounds tonight. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> let's, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Yeah. You and I have always had that conversation, and you always tell me, don't think. Don't talk about what you think. Talk about what you feel. Well, what's so interesting, if someone were sitting in the studio with us and looking at you, it's so obvious your face tells stories all on its own. But what I wanted to think about when we were talking mm, over coffee, I, when I read your bio, I kept, you were almost 17 years old, and what possible things could you have been feeling leaving your homeland, coming to some place new, challenging, different, maybe not friendly? What was that like? Uh, well, I have to kind of develop a bit of a context from people who don't live in the U.S. Mm -hmm. U.S. is almost like a sacred land oh. that offers possibilities. We're talking about a uh, couple of, a few decades ago. So uh, I grew up in a very progressive thinking family. And uh, for whatever reason, I decided that uh, breaking barriers uh, has always been very important to me. Yes. So I decided to uh, study engineering. Not very common for girls at that time yes. in Iran. Uh, needless to say that, uh, you know, it required a lot of effort, a lot of studying, and one thing I have to say is that I started school when I was not supposed to have started the school at the age of five. And, uh, and then just uh, because of the educational system in Iran, I was able to graduate from high school uh, at the age of 16. And uh, through some major studying, I passed the entrance exam to the Technical University School of Engineering of the University of Tehran, one of the most uh, renowned universities even today in the Middle East. And uh, I have to give you some statistics. So here I'm changing my hats. 
There you go. Okay. That year, 110,000 students took the entrance exam to the University of Tehran. Mm -hmm. I was, brace yourself, here are some numbers, I was amongst the top 0.01%. I was the only woman who was accepted in that major, civil engineering, to the University of Tehran School of Engineering. And here I was, hopeful, determined, breaking the barriers. I couldn't. I couldn't. Every day that I went to college, Mm -hmm. I was faced with things that uh, no, uh, I don't want to say not just a 16, 17, 19, 20-year-old woman. No one should witness Mm -hmm. the unrest, the onset of the bloody revolution of 1979. Mm. It almost enveloped our lives, Uh, the chaos, the restlessness, the clashes, Mm -hmm. bullets, clubs. Uh, It wasn't... It wasn't that the university would be closed. It was like, you know, would I make it home? Yes, yes, yes. So um, one day, I I don't know how, uh, but um, I was almost uh, caught in 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 the in the unrest and violence. You you can imagine you all. Yes. watch TV and you see the yes. violent scenes of uh, places that experience this unrest. And um, and I was saved. Someone uh, grabbed me and pulled me and guided me through the basement corridors of a big uh, building. And next thing I know, I'm running for my dear life. Fell down, got injured, managed to get home uh, several hours later than I was supposed to have arrived. And uh, my worried mother looks at me and says, oh, my God, thank God you're home. And I blew up. I screamed, I want to study. I want to become an engineer. I can't, Mom. I cannot. I think that was the turning point in uh, our lives that uh, the decision was made uh, for me to continue my education elsewhere. Well, then, you know, I had the upper hand because I was the one who was almost (laughs) killed. Uh, So I said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to apply to a few universities in the United States, and I'm going to continue my education there. So I arrived June the 18th, and it was a Wednesday. So my endeavor, my adventure began in the United States. I went through the entire math curriculum for my engineering major in my freshman year, not because I was very smart, because it didn't require a lot of English. <laughs> I love it. Now, of course, uh, that's where you and I part, you know. Mm-hmm. 
me and Math, we we aren't friends. <laughs> We're not friends. Yeah, so I continued my education in uh, in civil engineering, and uh, then I I ended up in Virginia because. My acceptance, the university I started studying was Michigan Technological University, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. And you know what? Dear Lord made a special point of making that piece of land colder than (laughs) what it needed to be. Uh, So here I was, I mean, in in like, good God, I don't know, 10, 15 feet of snow, (laughs) thinking, what am I doing here? So I transferred to Virginia Tech, continued my education at Virginia Tech, got my master's degree in geotechnical engineering with an emphasis in environmental uh, issues. And uh, I've been working. I started in the private sector as a consultant and engineer. And shortly thereafter, I joined the public sector. I have to say that I've always found uh, public, uh, public, uh, working in public sector a noble profession. Tell me being why. A, Tell me being why. a public uh, servant has always meant uh, a lot to me. I found it to be more service-oriented. Okay. I found it to be more problem-solving for, for the greater good. Yes. Not yes. just billable hours and what is the bottom line absolutely so i've been with uh, i've been uh, with uh, public sector mm-hmm. um for a number of years there's there's something that i know about you since you talked about service uh that you tend to want to help the disenfranchised and one of the things i know you do in your current position is to try and negotiate and level set the quality of life for those who may or may not be able to uh, have the kind of life that you think they should. And I think that's commendable. Uh, Within that whole big, great big story, uh, I remember Jali doing a study on bed bugs. And uh, I I really didn't want to know as much as she taught me, but it turned out that I was able to help a woman from Madagascar who was running away from her husband and had found uh, temporary housing and did not know what the situation was. But yeah. thanks to Jali, I was able to help her diagnose, and we uh, elevated their circumstance. But... Uh, yeah. Yeah, Public for a service. while I, yeah, for a while bedbugs really ruled my professional <laughs> life. You know, I noticed it was an issue at several of our service delivery sites. Yeah. And I paid closer attention and as a result we formed a task force. We came up with uh, a county initiative, a county wide initiative, how to deal and how to uh, decontaminate and how to uh, get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And we worked with several uh, universities who have a state-of-the-art research in in eradication of bed bugs, if you can believe it. I can. And yeah, and now we actually do have a system in I place at Fairfax County government. I believe so, that. Yeah, yeah, and what yeah. I what I heard was the um, the we word, and I happen to know the leadership that you provided to that countywide initiative. Mm-hmm. So um, I appreciate your modesty. But uh, let me say you go, girl. <laughs> Thank you. You're quite welcome. Hopefully we'll be able to stop the bed bugs. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
whatever. Yeah. So um, that's another example, in my opinion, of you diagnosing a problem, following it through, and bottom line, you can count on me. And yeah. that's what your life has been about. Um, I think it's important when I'm in a situation to hear someone say, you know, let's go to that person. That person will get it done. And I have had, I have heard your name uh, called that person when people wanted to get things done. And that has been a common thread throughout my, my life. Um, I am more fascinated by um, being counted on and being relied upon than my title mm -hmm. or or even the financial, you know, mm -hmm. uh, rewards. Uh, what is important to me more, and I've told you often that as one ages, one becomes more confident in, in what, what one wants. So I, I was an engineer with the, with the county for a good 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, as you know, I, I, was, um, I was elected to, to, for an executive internship with the county leadership. And it was like as though a new door opened mm -hmm. to me. Barriers, breaking yeah. barriers. B breaking barriers, absolutely right. So then I kind of like campaigned mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be a full-time engineer. I want to use my engineering skills as a toolbox. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of like switched to the human services side. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, it has been a common thread for me. Uh, to, it is. It is. It is almost a goal for me to be able to to be relied upon. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can rely on me, then I've done my job. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, as we sit here today, one of the greatest challenges we have in the United States is uh, recruiting young girls to the field, uh, the STEM field. Mm -hmm technology, engineering, math, science, technology, engineering, math. And I think it's a testimony, you sitting here, that yes, it can be done, and yes, it can be applied to things that uh, are helpful to the environment. And speaking of the environment, don't you have a recent interest in something? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm at a point in my life that I can successfully close the chapter mm -hmm. uh, to... to uh, my uh, current uh, situation with the county. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about, as you always say, my next season, yes. the next chapter. And yes. I want it to be more intentional. Yes. So step number one, what is it that I want to do? And I have been, for past year and a half, I've been doing a lot of uh, soul searching, a lot of self-discovery, a lot of research. And I've identif I have identified the area that I'm interested in, I would like to contribute to. And that is, uh, did you know that there is a huge gender disparity when it comes to environmental policy formulation? And a lot of other things, but yes. Yeah, yeah, this is one of the <laughs> this areas. This is one yeah, of the areas. One of the areas. Yes. I, I can give you several examples. Uh, so, um, for example, did you know that women are more adversely affected when there, when there is a flood, when there is an earthquake. Well, since you have gotten this interest going, yes, 
<laughs> you know, for example, and let me bring it home. Okay. Uh, you've heard about Zika virus. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, well, Zika virus uh, became an issue, right? Mm -hmm. What was the multi-governmental response? The first thing that they came up with was women should not get pregnant. Yes. Well, last time I checked, it takes more than just a woman to get pregnant. So what it does, it shifts the responsibility yes. from, uh, from members of society and community on to solely women. Yes. And they talk about uh, women should not get pregnant in countries that women do not have great access mm -hmm. to uh, birth control. Uh, therefore, environmental issues uh, have become a passion of mine, and uh, and uh, you know, and I I'm hoping that I'll be able to contribute to creating awareness and bringing about some change. You know, there is not an iota of a doubt in my mind that whatever you want to do, you will do, because you and I discuss this over and over again. You have everything inside of you that you need to thrive so to me it's a matter of a decision now what we're going to do is take a short break and then I want to explore some other parts of Jolie's gifts with the audience and we are back Jolie is about to offer some wonderful gifts to us she talked about uh, transition in her teenage years, and I asked her, I said, Jolly, um, I ask everybody who's coming to the show to be reflective at this season in their lives what they would say to someone coming along, maybe a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old Jolly. What would you say to her? How would you bring her into your season or prepare her for it? And I want Jolly to read her letter now to you. A big hello to you. I see you don't recognize me with these lines around my eyes and a figure that's going south after giving birth, passage of time, and a few indulgences here and there. I can see it in your innocent eyes with that familiar quizzical look. Hey, let me tell you, the lines around my eyes came from laughing and the scars on my belly are a badge of motherhood I proudly wear my sweet girl you know you will grow up to be a woman who at times is considered remarkable by some standards as she will break a few barriers here and there you will grow up to be a compassionate soul because you will witness a fair bit of suffering. You will experience loss, disappointment, and grief. You will become a proud mother and will raise two wonderful sons. You will grow up to have true friends because you will continue to laugh, will learn to love, 
and to let go. So if there is one lesson I can give to you, it would be to stop letting fear keep you from living. Life will not always be easy, and it will not always be kind, but you need to remember joy often is just below the surface of uncomfortable. The truth is, all that you fear will not come to pass entirely. You will fail at times, but each failure will make success, no matter how small, a little richer. You will be rejected at times, but rejection will help refine your inner strength. I wish in your journey you could realize you are stronger than you think. You will learn ultimately the consequences for all that you fear are not nearly as bad as the regret of what will be missed. Do not be afraid of being who you are, flaws and all, for that is where your true beauty lies. Do not let others hold you down. Be purposeful and confident even when you don't feel like it. Have the courage to live your values and it is okay if they are different from others. Practice self-respect and self-discipline. Inspire yourself, but above all, be good to yourself. My sweet, there will be some unimaginable losses in the years to come. Don't be afraid. Face them head on. You are going to walk through a valley of grief, but you're going to survive, and you will be there to hold up the others when life knocks them down. You will also experience some amazing things. Be brave and follow your dream. Forgive yourself for doing what you want to do, and don't worry about others. Oh, dear heart, oh, my dearest, how I wish you would allow your remarkable soul of a woman be the beacon that illuminates your paths. Sincerely, your now self. You have just witnessed a virtual intergenerational conversation between the seasoned, and the not yet. There's another surprise Jolly has for you as well. Well, uh, as you mentioned in my poetry, and it has always been a passion of me, uh, I, I, my biggest connection, one of my strongest connection to my uh, heritage is the poetry. I recite poetry. I love poetry. It's very therapeutic to me. Uh, but today, I have the privilege of having my son, Albors, my youngest son, who is an accomplished musician, 
uh, play with us here in in a studio uh, while I recite poetry. So here's uh, here's Albors, and uh, we'll be performing two uh, poems, one in English. Yes. And uh, the other one you shall see. Yes. Okay. I'm ready. This song of mine will wind its music around you, my child, like the fond arms of love. This song of mine will touch your forehead like a kiss of blessing. When you're alone, it will sit by your side and whisper in your ear. When you're in the crowd, It will fence you about with aloofness. My song will be like a pair of wings to your dreams. It will transport your heart to the verge of the unknown. It will be like the fateful star overhead when the dark night is over your road. My song will sit in the pupils of your eyes and will carry your sight into the heart of things. And when my voice is silent in death, My song will speak in your living heart. زندگی با همه وسعت خیش محفل ساکت غم خوردن نیست حاصلش تن به غذا دادن و افسردن نیست استراب و هوس دیدن و نادیدن نیست زندگی جنبش جاری شدن است زندگی کوشش و راهی شدن است از تماشاگه آغاز حیات تا به جایی که خدا میداند. زندگی چون گل سرخی است پر از خار و پر از برگ و پر از عطر لطیف 
یادمان باشد اگر گل چیدیم عطر و برگ و گل و خار همه همسایه دیوار به دیوار همه I closed my eyes. I saw the moon. I saw a garden. I saw water. And I felt the arms of someone who loved me. And that was, I'm really, the, the piece that I, uh, I recited in Farsi, uh-huh. that's exactly what it was. It was a, it was a, it was a flower garden. It, is, it talks about a flower garden. And you and I have spoken about this be- before, previously, that roses Mm-hmm. are, are um, such important symbols in Iranian literature and Iranian poetry. And this talks about life and resemblance to a, to a, uh, a flower garden full of roses. You have the beautiful color, you have the beautiful texture, the fragrance, and also thorns. The thorns. The thorns, yes. yes. So it's it's um, I'm glad because I, last time I checked you didn't speak Farsi, so the fact <laughs> that I created that image, that's that's great. Well, it yeah. was that and the music. Um, I'm a very visual person, and uh, the sensory as it came into me, mm. uh, it's the type of thing I would do when I want to come down from the day. I would, if I had it, I would flip the switch and listen to that, and I would exhale, and I would wipe away stress, yeah. and I would move to a space of gratitude, Yes, and yes, I yes. would thank God that I could hear, that I could see, that I could feel, right. that I could appreciate. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's just a big wow. I've asked <laughs> Al for us to come over to the table, you know, me and wow. Yes, yes. Um, but... I could not not have you in the studio, Alvors, yeah. and uh, not spend a bit of time having a conversation with your mother. I like to watch the two of you together, so I thought maybe we could create an audio image uh, through conversation. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me, too. Oh, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. Well, uh, yeah, that was uh, Abur's on, on a very traditional Iranian instrument called Santur. It has 72 strings, and I have no idea how this child <laughs> learned to tune this instrument. Um, I have to say that it is a privilege for me uh, to perform with my son with such be- beautiful music. So Abur's, um, well... Mm, uh, well, tell me about how you feel when you and I uh, are performing on a stage. Look, um, growing up in, uh, as a, an Iranian-American, American-born, uh, I should say, an American-born Iran, uh, child with American va- uh, with Iranian values, sorry, uh, you learn a lot about the value of family yes. and how important it becomes. Right. And I'm 
you know, I'm I'm a total mama's boy, so I'm <laughs> most comfortable. You all heard that. Yeah, no, I've I've absolutely no problem uh, saying that. So I'm most comfortable, and uh, I have absolutely no problem being vulnerable around you. You've seen me at my worst. You're gonna see me at my best. I have a long road ahead of me, and I know uh, you've been every you've been with me every step of the way. And uh, whether that be my music, my sports, uh, my future career in the Navy. Uh, shout out to the Navy. Sorry, I had to. Uh, shout out to the Navy. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, even, Navy. E- even with my older brother, Badio, who is active duty. So, uh, and he's, a, he's an accomplished musician himself. He's an accomplished athlete. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a trend in our family. And that's you've made us become musicians. And you've also pushed us to become uh healthy athletic uh men with good with a good sense of uh values and a good sense of purpose now that now tying it back to my music uh i can describe this uh, instrument the santur as a piece of wood a trapezoidal music box with uh nine columns small little peg columns on each side uh four strings per column giving you uh three octaves of notes that's all it is, and as you walk past it, you'll hear uh, the sound coming from it. But to me, and you know me best, you you, well, you gave birth to me, so <laughs> no one else who knows me best. <laughs> yeah. And that is that you know uh, I am a visual person as well, mm-hmm. yes. and you know that, mu- and you know how important music is to me. Absolutely. So you always said, whenever you're playing, think of a story, mm. tell that story. Yes, mm. yes, I remember. And I also very uh, vividly remember listening to your own recordings that you made in our very first house on, you know, the cassettes and you were reciting poetry. And I have, uh, I know that I can say my favorite performances and I've I've had quite a few and, you know, with my uh, ensemble, the Enchanted Strings Ensemble, we've put on a few productions, but I can say that any point, whether, whether I, it was me being part of that group or on a separate performance where it was just you and I, anytime I've played with you has been the best performance ever because I've been able to share a story with my music, but my music was uh, supplementing the story that you were telling. And and for me, since I have been reciting poetry, someone asked me, when did you learn or when did you become interested? And my response uh, was like, you know, before I could read and write. So poetry has always, as you know, has been a big part of me. But it's not just any poetry. It's not like, you know, the poetry you'll hear in a coffee shop these days. No, this is deep spiritual poetry. Right. Dating back, I don't know, hundreds yeah, of years. Yeah, we are talking Rumi. We are talking Hafiz. We are talking, words, yeah. Yes, words that yes. I have no conception of what they mean. Right as, right. as much as you can try and describe them to me. I, I, when I hear them, I, there's, it's not so much I don't know what they mean. They mean something to me because it's a innate drive. Or it's, it's it just taps into my, to my, I don't know, my guess, my inner psyche of an Iranian, uh, of of a person with Iranian heritage. Right, and I've often characterized. I I remember I characterized it for you especially that sweetheart. These poems really talk about a place that's neither here nor there. It talks about pain. Uh, but which is exactly what, my, w- right. what music yeah. is to me. So it's a privilege. Um, I want to say I'm sitting here looking at you, 
And the only thing that keeps coming to my mind is the word L-O-V-E. It's just flowing between mother and son. Yes. So let me ask you, how did we do today? I think we did great. And if you agree with me, you let me know at Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. Again, that's Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. I thank you so much for being here. And I want you to remember, take with you a spiritual doggy bag that you can use throughout the week just in case you feel like you have a moment of doubt, anger, frustration, loneliness, when you feel tired of being tired, or you ask the question, is that all there is? I want you to remember, you are worthy. You are not alone. You are not your circumstances. Nothing that has happened to you in your life will be wasted. You have everything within you you need to thrive. I want you to refuse to be refused. Your voice will save you. Oh, by the way, I'm here for you. Take good care. See you next week. Same time, same place. Mr. Tony Walker on piano will take us out on our theme, I'm Listening. I'm listening.